Hey guys, welcome to True Knows Talk. Jeff here. I don't know if y'all have heard of Anchor, but it's ran by Spotify now. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one app or on your desktop. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer. And really, I mean, when hosting on Anchor, you you mean you can distribute your podcast on many platforms. Spotify, Apple, I mean, there's just tons of them, more than I have time to really explain. But the best part about it, really, everything you need is in one place, and it's free. So, guys, go to your app store, download the Anchor FM app, or go online and just put it on your desktop if you got a laptop. Now, I know Chip and Hunter, just like I am, we're ready to kick this thing off. So, y'all can give us the countdown, and we'll see y'all when the show starts. What's up, Knowles fans? Jeff Rains here. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope everybody's having a great start to their week. I'd like to congratulate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a decisive and dominant victory last night with their win over the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, 31-9, making seven rings for old Tom Brady. That was a dominant performance. But on the other hand, you know, the Chiefs were kind of plagued with what Florida State's been plagued with in the past, and that's a uh, very unproductive offensive line, and it kind of showed numerous times in the game last night. I mean, for a majority of the game, Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. And that's not to take away from what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was. They straight up shut down the big plays, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes and his legs. And, yes, Patrick Mahomes had turf toe, but if you're playing in the game, you can't use that as an excuse. But that offensive line last night was atrocious. I'm talking about probably the worst I've ever seen in the NFL. I mean, at some points, I thought that offensive line was like Oprah Winfrey. You know, you get pressure, you get pressure. Everybody gets pressure on Mahomes. Just a free flow, just come on in and get him type of uh, game. Totally mismatched up front. But congratulations to the Buccaneers. I know uh, Bucks Nation was really excited about that victory and excited about things to come, which is what us Knowles fans should also be excited about because the Bucks. But as us Knowles fans, we can look at one positive from that game. Let's look at the Buccaneers team from last year, led by Jameis Winston. They ended the season 7-8, and eight, didn't make the playoffs, very disappointing season, and they brought in Tom Brady, a very talented and knowledgeable quarterback and a locker room leader. And it totally changed the outlook and the culture of that offense. And then you look at the Knowles right now. We brought in Mackenzie Milton, a locker room leader, a highly talented quarterback. Am I saying Mackenzie Milton is the next Tom Brady? No, but I sure hope so. Then let's look at the defensive side. 
They signed Adamica Sue. They had Pierre Paul. You had all these other defensive players they brought in. Then you look at the Knowles this year. We brought in five transfers on the defensive side. Could our defense be as good as that defense last night? If they buy in and if they uh, play to their potential, I believe they could be better than that team last night. Then you look at the receivers. Tampa Bay brought in Antonio Brown. Well, we brought in Andrew Parchman. Is there any comparison there? Maybe, maybe not. But if you look at the similarities of that Buccaneers team where they were a year ago to where they are today, and then look at the recruiting class and the transfers we had come in, they are almost side-by-side similarities on the position needs from a year ago and how Bruce Arians and them fixed that position need to how Mike Norvell had the same position needs and has fixed them with the transfer portal and also the recruits that he had signed. But nonetheless, I'm not saying the Knowles are going to be the next Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not saying that we're going to have a turnaround as quick as the Buccaneers. We can all hope. And that's something I think us Knowles fans can really jump on and look forward to in the future. But looking at the Bucks, it makes me think, why can't we jump from non-contenders to champions? Why not? Let's look at the Buccaneers from a year ago and what they kind of fixed. Just a little quick glance. 2019, they had Jameis Winston as the quarterback. We all love famous Jameis, what he done at Florida State, national championship, Heisman Trophy, but he wasn't cutting it. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions in his last year there. Yes, he led the, the league in touchdowns and yards, but he also led it in interceptions. Then you bring in Tom Brady. What else can you say about the greatest of all time? The man has every achievement under his belt and now has more Super Bowl rings by himself than most franchises. The Steelers, the Patriots, they all have six. Brady's got seven. Granted, Brady won all six of those championships. Why why as a member of the New England Patriots? But let's just look at another thing. You know, they had a weak run game last year. They brought in help with Leonard Fournette. Brady needed weapons. They bring in Antonio Brown and Gronkowski. Two big weapons. Worked out good. Two of Tom Brady's touchdowns in the Super Bowl was to Gronk. That's just a few things they also brought in to help with the offensive line. Their defense, they just needed a little bit of help and a spark. But, guys, you know, it makes us all wonder, can we? Can we make that jump? You know, with the right buy-in and all that, I believe we can. And I, I hope we can. And that's just something we can all do. But now, I mean, let's let's look at just an insight of what could come next year and if the right buy-in and mentality comes with the Knowles. I mean, look at the Knowles. I mean, the Bucks brought in Brady. We bring in a highly talented quarterback, Mackenzie Milton. And we don't bring Mackenzie Milton in just not to play. The biggest problem with the Knowles coming in is how do you balance moving to Milton when you've got a highly talented and successful quarterback in Jordan Travis? Me personally, this is just my idea. Use him like Ja'Kai Douglas. 
Put him like in a little slot receiver gadget style role and let that weapon be utilized in many forms. I mean, just imagine, guys. Milton pitches the ball outside to Travis, who can either throw or run a touchdown. It would be like watching kids come up with trick plays in the backyard or watching 7-on-7 tournament with all these possible trick plays. There is the possibility Travis lines up under center frequently, especially since the offensive line is a massive question mark and Milton is still coming off that gruesome injury. So protecting him is kind of important. You know, and then you look, I, th- I think Purdy is the quarterback of the future. I do. After Travis leaves, I think co- uh, the quarterback of the future is going to be Purdy. And he has the most to learn from Milton on and off the field. Travis has to get better in the passing game, particularly the intermediate routes, while finding ways to improve his durability. But I think Milton will definitely teach Purdy a lot of stuff and how to read defenses and how to basically be a leader. And that's something we ain't had at Florida State in a while. Then you look at the Bucks and how their running game was in 2019. And you see how they, they had running back Ronald Jones last year as mainly their starter. Well, they needed a little bit of help. So they brought in Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette was a big boost to their offense. He was that power back. I mean, so you look at that, and then you look at, at the Knowles. You know, we lost LaDamian Webb. And if any of y'all hadn't heard or seen Twitter, follow him on Twitter. LaDamian Webb is now no longer with Troy University. He is no longer with the team. We don't know what's going on with him. They don't know. He's just no longer there. We wish him the best of luck. And that's a good thing in my eyes because – he, w- he would have opted out and left and not been there now. But, um, like I said, the Bucks, you know, brought in help on that running back position. And so did the Knowles. I mean, this group features more physical backs. Their specialty should be more traditional running back things like lowering that shoulder, tackling short yardage packages. And DJ Williams was a major pickup because he's an improved version of Webb. Um, in this offense, he can punish people at the line, smash through holes, get to the second level, and then he's got, you know, decent speed so that he can he can get away and break long runs. Corbin, Corbin's physical back, uh, like I, I believe he wasn't at 100% throughout the first half of the season. I believe he finally caught his stride and got healthy near the end of the season. And I was at – the Duke game, and I watched every game. And if what we get from them last couple of games is what he has for the future, we have a promising backfield along with Toa Philly, who can be set up as a running back, also out as a slot receiver. I mean, he's as versatile as anybody. So that's a good thing right there. Then you look, the Buccaneers, they needed some weapons on the outside. So... What do you do? You bring in Antonio Brown. Well, guess what? We went out and we got us some highly sought-after and highly uh, recruited wide receivers of our own, guys. And uh, the wide receiving core, to me, should look a whole lot better than what it did this past year. With the better quarterback play, 
I believe that the receiving core should get more targets, which would equal to a higher catch probability. And simply, you know, they should just expect the ball more because Milton's going to be one of them quarterbacks that can get it out there to them. I'm not saying Jordan Travis couldn't. He actually struggled a little bit in the long ball throwing at the beginning of the season. A bunch of his receivers had to, like, stop and wait for the ball. But um, I believe that that that's going to help out with the receiving core. And, I mean, you're returning Ontario Wilson, which was one of your better receivers last year. And then you got Joshua Burnell, Burrell, and Malik McLean that could vie for starting roles and could be very productive as freshmen coming right out of the gate. Uh, then you got you can put Keyshawn Helton at the slot position if you want to. His size, you know, he's a smaller type uh, receiver. And I think he fits there. He will likely, well, he'll be more explosive there, I believe, because he can get the ball and then let his legs do the rest. And he's very elusive on that end. Then you look at another weapon that the Buccaneers brought in for their team. And when you bring in Gronkowski, I mean, that speaks on its own. And we still got that transfer from, I want to say it was from UCLA, Jordan Wilson, that didn't play last year because of injury. He's returning. And, well, let's just look at them. You know, I'll say that it doesn't bode well for the young players taking in last year's recruiting class that a walk-on saw more minutes than they did at this position. And that's true. I mean, Cam McDonald was a walk-on. But the unit isn't bad. Considering Mike Norvell loves tight ends in his system, they're usually prototypically used as a blocking blocking lineman or something. But Norvell likes to get them out there in space and let's, let them do their thing. And if you look at it, Cam McDonald actually was a very highly productive receiver. I want to say he caught one or two passes in the North Carolina victory. Um, Wilson from UCLA suffered a season-ending Achilles injury last year before the season started, but he's more of a blocker. And he will be virtually that because he will primarily block. But you also have McDonald as a as like a flex out spread style what i'd like to see him do is kind of have mcdonald out there if you got wilson in have mcdonald out there as a slot receiver like a second option because you can't deny the boy has good hands and he knows how to get in open space so with that i mean like i said if the bucks can do it with a few critiques then why can't we as Knowles? why can't the Knowles make that jump and me personally i believe we're going to make that jump Now moving on, a week or two ago I reviewed our first game, which was Notre Dame, what they lost, what they gained, my thoughts on the game. Now I want to look at the second game on the schedule for next year, and granted it's a cupcake game in most people's eyes, but it's actually a game which I fear a little bit because we didn't play them as well in the past year and the years before as I thought we should, and that's Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State returns their top-tier quarterback, Zarek Cooper, who is actually a former four-star quarterback who committed to Clemson 
back in, I want to say, 2017 before transferring to the Gamecocks. I mean, he wasn't going to see much playing time underneath uh, Lawrence. But uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback. His running ability last year actually opened up his passing game. He's a threat, you know, throwing ability in the three years at Jacksonville State. He has thrown for over 7,491 yards and accumulated 61 touchdowns. I want to say he broke the all-time passing yards or touchdown record for Jacksonville State last year. Um, He also accumulated 792 yards on the ground with 17 touchdowns so far in three years. He's returning. You know, he's a true true dual-threat player, which we struggled against last year. And against the Knowles last year, Cooper threw for – 232 yards, he was 22 of 30 for the game. He didn't have a passing touchdown. That's what kind of worried me was he got that many yards without a touchdown. The Gamecocks, they also returned a pair of threats. And sophomore Dave Russell, his wide receiver, he ended the season with 11 catches and 121 yards. Russell had seven of those catches and 74 of those yards against the Knowles, which accumulated for over half his yearly yards. And I know y'all sitting there saying, well, he only caught 11 catches for 121 yards. Well, Jacksonville State only played four games, four or five games. So 11 catches in five games, that ain't bad. And for us to give that up, you know, giving up seven catches for 74, that's saying something about our defensive backs they needed to tighten up. They also returned, which was actually Cooper's number one target majority of the time was tied in Trey Barry, you know, he had, he accumulated uh, 13 catches for 240 yards on the year and had four catches for 52 yards against us last year. You know, that right there, something kind of to worry about because them two could be very productive against us this year. But not, the Knowles, on the other hand, you know, that game we started a true freshman in Tate Rodemaker. He was nervous, scared, struggled. Threw an interception. I think he was 8 for 12 for 58 yards. Just didn't look like he was ready. And then they brought in Jordan Travis, who went 12 for 17 with 210 yards and a touchdown. He also uh, threw a 41-yard touchdown to Keyshawn Helton. Jordan Travis also had 11 rushes in the game for 48 yards and a rushing touchdown which was actually kind of me the, the breakout game for J-Trav. We really finally got to see a true glimpse of what he was and what he could be and kind of got all of us Knowles, in my eyes, kind of fired up for what the season could be and great things to come. But, man, was we disappointed week in and week out. But that wasn't – I don't think that was Jordan Travis's fault. Then you had true freshman Lawrence Toafili – who led the team that game in the rushing field with 12 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. But that says a lot right there. We can we can all grow on that. But what we need to worry about, and people don't really dive into it, you know, you'll see it whenever, if you dive into it. Jacksonville State, they hit the transfer market and went and got them some, some decent 
decent players. Uh, they got a receiver out of Washington State, Mike Petaway, a freshman. He entered transfer portal early in September. He was Thompson High School's leading receiver in 2018-2019 with 64 catches and a, over 1,000 yards. He had a 1,119 yards and 17 touchdowns as a junior. And then he had 60 catches for 1,090 yards and 15 touchdowns as a senior. He's coming in. He knows how to play big boy ball. You don't get, you know, recruited to a D1 school if you don't know how to play a little bit. You got defensive back Drew uh, Tejman out of UNLV. He's a junior. He opted out of the out of UNLV's 2020 season. Uh, he's changed changed sides of the balls uh, twice. He was a receiver. He went to defensive back. Yachty back and forth, back and forth. Um, so he's a good defensive back for them. You got Isaiah Montgomery out of Tennessee that transferred to uh, the Gamecocks. He's a redshirt freshman. He was a walk-on receiver and special teams contributor who earned a scholarship at the end of the 2019 season under Jeremy Pruitt. Not much stats on him. Uh, you got a couple of tight ends and linebackers and stuff that they they picked. A uh, bunch of three stars they picked up this year. But other than that, I mean – it kind of scares me, and then it kind of don't. Hopefully our defense can be a difference maker from what they were last year with all the additions. But I think our defensive back position was our weakest spot last year because I remember watching the Notre Dame game, and it was like Ian Book could do whatever he wanted to. Just like Cooper, I watched that game, and it was like Cooper was moving the ball easily without no problem against our secondary. And that kind of worried me for the rest of the season. I was, well, I was kind of, you know, kind of proven right that it was something to worry about. But, I, you know, I want to close the show today. It was kind of a short little show that I'd done. I want to end the show asking that, my listeners and my the fans and the people that listen to my show say a prayer and keep a, a friend of mine's family in, in their thoughts and prayers. Uh, my friend Chip Westerly lost his dad, and his dad was a big-time Knowles fan. Lost him over the weekend. So if we would, keep the Westerly family and uh, the family of uh, Richard Westerly Sr., in our prayers, like I said, he was a he was a Knowles fan. Didn't get to meet him, but what I heard from his son, which I worked for and worked with for years, he was a great man. He he loved his family, loved his kids, was always there for them, loved his grandchildren, and definitely loved his Knowles. So, in ending, I'd like to ask the fans of the show and my friends and family if you're listening to just say a prayer for that family they they need uplifting and i know us as Knowles, we're always there to help and lend a helping hand even if it's a prayer to our fellow Knowles. so i'm gonna let gene take us away on that note 
Jason, open, he makes the catch, touchdown, Avesha!